to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that takes you inside NRG Stadium, where it is game day eve, Johnny. Not it a is. Texans game. It's yes. the Copa de Lone Star with Manchester City. That's your favorite team, isn't it? It is my favorite team. I'm so excited. I, when I pulled in today, one of their buses was there, and I just, it was so, it's so wild. It was in the, uh, the cafe a little while ago, and they're, their staff, there was some staff in there, and it was just like, whoa, man, this is—it's really cool. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen any of the any of the players roaming around, but that's what tomorrow's for. Mm-hmm. Taking on uh, Club America from Mexico. The, the one thing I love about soccer are these the the way that they do their international play, like Champions League. I love because it's bringing in the the champions from France and uh, Germany and from England, obviously from Premier League, but then to have England's champ and, you know, a team from Mexico, professional team from Mexico. I, I just love the fact that you can kind of cross streams like that. Yeah. Whereas you can't do that in football. No way. And But you can, uh, obviously, with soccer. So It's beautiful I'm, that way. I mean, it's really, really cool. It is the beautiful game that way because you're right. You can actually play the sport tomorrow night here at NRG Stadium with Club America and Manchester City, and it's yep. fun. And I think there's some tickets still available, so go to your Ticketmaster sources um, Lone Star Sports and Entertainment putting the game on the Houston Texans. This is going to be fun. I'm going to be there with Vanderkid too because he's a big soccer fan. Yeah. When he sees the Dynamo, he goes nuts on TV. Yeah. The Dynamo. So he's really fired up about this one tomorrow. I had to explain to him how this <laughs> is this Club America versus Manchester yeah. City thing. Uh, but I love it. It's great and it's football. And here's another thing, Johnny. And Texans fans will be interested in this. I think not to get into the field situation. But they bring in a natural grass field for this. Yes. And you and I noticed this. Uh, I was coming up, I think it was yesterday or the day before, coming up to the loading dock where I park. Yep. And I noticed the field, the roof was open and the field was covered in sunlight all the way through, end zone to end zone. And I thought, well, I don't see that every day. Right. Because when the field is open on those rare occasions for a Texans football game, it's usually November at the earliest, right? Right. And the sun covers from the 20-yard line in the south end zone on, and then it gets smaller, the area it covers, throughout the day because the sun is at an angle further south, right? correct. For lack of a better way of putting it. This thing is right, this thing, the sun, this thing, is right up above the roof, the open roof, just shining in on the entire field. So World Cup, whatever soccer events you have here in the summer, not that you would open the roof for a game, but in between games, to keep the grass fresh or right. you know get natural sunlight on it, you've got that opportunity here. And I love that. I think it's great yep. for the game of soccer. Now, for the football games, obviously, we have the artificial surface now, so that's taken care of. Right. And I know fans are like, but wait a second, why not have the roof open? I'm telling you right now, when I, I, I walked in the bowl around 11-ish, 11 mm-hmm. 15, 11.30, it was well over 100 degrees on that bowl, in the bowl. Oh, sure. It was unbelievably hot. So I know there are a lot of people going, well, I went to that Pittsburgh game, and it was – yeah, you keep that thing closed in the in the 
fall. The thing is, once you get to once you get past daylight savings time, all of a sudden that sort of changes the angles of when the shadows coming in and all that kind of stuff. But it's really cool when the roof is open here. I mean, it's it's gotten to a point where I, I'll be honest, I didn't like it at first. I didn't like it at first, I, and I don't know why. I got used to the roof being closed, and so yeah. it was something new, and so I didn't really like it at first. When I say at first, I mean 2020. Yeah, that's <laughs> when they opened it. Because that was, you know, for the six years prior, I had not seen it open. So I didn't like it at first, and I remember going through that game, and I think it was the Patriots with the first game. And, of course, the Texans played very well in that game and ended up winning and beating the Patriots. And I remember thinking, this is pretty cool. This is pretty cool. Now, it's a it's a wreck when you go to watch the film afterwards because you've got things, oh, the, the light shadows. Changes. Where's the ball? If the ball is going from sun to shadow, the or camera shadow to people sun. hate it. Forget the it. The iris is too open yeah. when it's in the darker part. Then it just blasts when it gets to the brighter part. But in the like you said at noon when that's when the sun is sitting right over the top of the thing, there's no shadows. But man, it is hot. Yeah, it gets a little warm. A little now, the only way you could do it for this soccer match would be to open it right before. The kick, yeah, at eight p.m. I guess it is I mean, tomorrow. You're still for, talking ninety two, yeah, ninety three. Well, you know the Astros? Do they still open the roof later at night, like around nine thirty, ten? They used to do that a long time ago, but I haven't been to that many games lately at Minute Maid Park. But uh, they're able to do that anyway. Uh, that's going to be fun tomorrow night. Manchester City and Club America. Check it out. It's soccer at NRG. It's a beautiful thing. Also a beautiful thing is training camp opening a week from Friday as we will see guys around the building. We already are, uh, but they'll start officially reporting over the weekend and through early next week and veterans and waves and quarterbacks and whatever. They'll all be here next week and practicing on Friday. And just to promote this now, a week from Friday, our training camp shows begin 8 to 10 a.m. right here on Sports Radio 610 and the Texans app and the Odyssey app. And Nick Casario is going to join us live at the practice field to kick off training camp. How about that? Yeah, it's going to be fun. We'll That's have Nick awesome. on. And he's going to be on with Sean and Seth a few days later on the following Monday. But we'll have him on to kick off training camp and go over everything that's going to be happening at camp and all the uh, big stories and players to watch the whole bit as I cannot wait. This is our time, fans. This is the fun part. Football starting up. Back to football. We have back together Saturday, a week from Saturday, with the Battle Red Helmet being unveiled at camp. That is going to be awesome. Bizarre. Seeing the Red Helmet at practice. That's wild. I love it. I can't wait. That Of all, people ask me a lot, like, what, what do you get excited about training camp? And each one is, the one, the one thing I always say is I love doing our training camp shows. I love, do, I love doing those shows because we have done them in Denver, in a closet. We've done them at the Greenbrier. We've done them here. Uh, we've actually done them in studio when there hasn't been a practice. We've done them out on the field. We've done them later in the day. We've done them earlier in the day. I love doing those training camp shows. Just being in the thick of it. I, I love those shows. But the fact that we're, we're back home here in yeah. Houston, the fans can celebrate. But this year in particular, seeing the red helmet on these guys running around at practice is going to be equal parts. It's a little odd. It's a little strange. But a good odd and a good strange. Like, I think I'm going to – I really think I'm going to like it. Very new. One of the football – or one of the sports accounts on Twitter posted four alternate helmets. And I can't remember what it was. Bengals? But it it was – The Bengals with the white helmets and the black stripes? They haven't shown those yet. Well, where have I seen? Why have I I've seen, seen that? it? But I don't know if I've seen the helmet like they've put it. I don't know. But either way, it was it was all red. It was the uh, retro 
Pat, Patriot Pat, Pat the Patriot, yeah. snapping one. It was the Black Saints, which I don't care for. I don't like how they went about it. But then there's the Black Panthers helmet. Oh, yeah, the Black Panthers helmet, which sounds that's funny to say. Sweet. I know. That's kind of that's sweet. That but of those is. four, I still think, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I still would take the, the red. I love the red. I love the red regardless. I've always liked the Chiefs helmet. Yes, I'm a Texan, but I've always loved that red-white Chiefs helmet. I've always loved that. So seeing our guys wearing it, I think it's going to be really, really cool. But of those four, I would take it. But that, we'll say that Black Panthers helmet. Hey, sweet. forgive me for not knowing and having show prep meeting on the air, but are the Titans going to go to some sort of Euler thing? Remember the There fi- have been rumors. The it's fi- been floating. The 50th of the AFL, the 50th anniversary of the AFL, they yep. wore the very first Euler helmets. 60s, yeah. And Euler uniforms, which are very similar to what they eventually evolved into, but they were different. And they're the page- not the typical Love You Blue or even Warren Moon era uniforms. And I'm wondering if the Titans are going to do that. And please, you're not the Oilers. I know it's the same franchise, Mark. Yeah, whatever. No, it's fine. Not. It's you not. can you can live in that logistical dream that you want to. Last I looked in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the 60s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. When I watched the Oilers, they were here in this town. I saw them with my own eyes. It happened here. The last time that they wore those Oilers throwbacks, do you remember what happened? They lost. It was VY on Christmas or something? I don't know. It might have been, but the one I remember was 2009. And Tom Brady and the Patriots put a 50-burger on them. Oh, really? Almost a 60-burger. They put okay. 59 up on them. So go ahead and wear them. Very nice. Go ahead and wear them. Maybe that was the game I'm thinking of. Was it Christmas? It might have been. It might, might have been, been. Yeah. and I might have been celebrating that uh, that very <laughs> night because I root for the Titans to lose consistently. Yeah, that's how I roll. But I'm looking forward to all this battle red helmet training camp one week from Saturday, and then you have the one week from Friday start to it all. Johnny, this came up in the conversation as I'm about to go off on this, and oh. I can't believe it. The NFL throwback account, I love this actually. They do throwback games. I also love the old time football account mm-hmm. because they'll run chunks of older games from the 80s and 90s, and it's just fun to watch. Sometimes the 70s. They had a Pastorini performance on there from pre-Earl Campbell era when he beat the Steelers, and I texted it to him. I sent him the link, and he said, yeah, that was one of our four wins that year, but that was a good one. Uh, I love that stuff. But anyway, they tweeted out the choose your 2000s all-star offense, and you get to choose two wide receivers from a group of 10. This is the 2000s, ladies and gentlemen. We all know who played in the 2000s for your beloved franchise here, and he's not in this. I'll give you the receivers. You alerted me to this yesterday. Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, Reggie Wayne, Isaac Bruce, Larry Fitzgerald, Heinz Ward, Steve Smith Sr., as opposed to Jr. Steve Smith, the only wide receiver you know named Steve Smith who counts. Chad Johnson, Marvin Harrison, Tory Holt, the 2000s top 10 wide receivers, according to them. Ha! You do not have Andre Johnson in here, and that's ridiculous. You need him in here, which begs the next logical question. Who are you bumping out, Mark? I know exactly who I'm bumping out. You go first. Heinz Ward. I love Heinz. Everything about Heinz is great. I love the way he played the game. Some thought he did some things dirty. I thought he did a lot of little things. Yeah, there were maybe some questionable hits at the whistle, whatever. Heinz... Hines was a baller, and I remember seeing him in college when Georgia's quarterbacks are all dead for the year. 
and he goes in and and he's busted up, but he plays quarterback. Oh yeah, and did a great job. I, I've always been a Heinz Ward guy, but there is no way, no way that you tell me that he would be on that list before Andre Johnson. Yeah, no chance. Not even. I think Heinz Ward would tell you, no, 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 no Andre Johnson. If you're a GM him. drafting receivers. And you're asked to give a top 10 from the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Andre Johnson's going ahead of Heinz Ward. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this. He's also going ahead of Reggie Wayne. Mm-hmm. And he's also going ahead of Marvin Harrison, I think. Yes. Here's a hot take for you. Marvin Harrison's not going to the Hall of Fame without Peyton Manning. Of course. I agree Now, with if you put him with another great quarterback, maybe. But you put Marvin Harrison, and look, not to take anything away from his performance, but I guess I'm about to. You put Marvin Harrison with the Houston Texans in the 2000s, and... You know, he's a nice receiver. Yep. He's not who he became there. You put Andre Johnson on that team, and we're talking about Randy Moss-type image status. If you put Andre Johnson on the 2000s Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning slinging the rock. Are you sure you want that image in your head? No, I really don't want that image in my head because that's just horrible for the Houston Texans, but I'm just doing it to support Andre Johnson here. So those names again. Yeah. Uh, Terrell Ray- Owens, Randy Moss, like I, I don't have, I don't have an issue. No, Larry Fitzgerald, are, don't have an issue. All time great. Those guys are, those guys are, are incredible. But uh, there those, was those a time. Listen, there was a time. Listen, I'm saying, listen to you. <laughs> there, I'm saying, listen to the fans. Yeah. There was a time when I would say Andre Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald were pretty even here. Yeah. But Larry just lasted so long, and in the postseason he shined when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And. I just think the off-field status of Larry Johnson and doing all the commercials for University of Phoenix. I don't know what I'm thinking of here. I, I guess Larry Fitzgerald, I said. Did yeah. I say Johnson? Anyway, Larry Fitzgerald able to uh, continue the career. you know. But it's not like Andre Johnson cut his career short. It's just that Larry Fitzgerald is freakish in the longevity department. When I, when I say Larry Fitzgerald is a no-brainer, I'm implying, and I'll say it now, I'm implying that, Larry, uh, that uh, Andre should be a no-brainer, no-brainer. too. No brainer. I, absolutely. If you put five guys, you should put Andre in that mix. Look, Torrey Holt, I, I I can't remember who I got this argument with. It really was an argument. We were talking about Torrey Holt, and I can't remember if it was Torrey Holt. We were comparing Torrey Holt to somebody else. And I'm like, I, I'm telling you, I'll take Dre over any of them. Isaac Bruce. Go through those. Wait, go through those quarterbacks again. The quarterbacks. Terrell Owens, Randy Moss. Yeah, go, uh, the, go the through receivers. these guys. Randy Isaac, Moss, Terrell Owens. Larry Fitzgerald. Okay, yeah, I mean, he had a litany of guys thrown to him, but he had Kurt Warner at the end of his career. Yeah, that helped. Yeah. Well, Tor- well Torrey Holt. His career. That was Isaac- a while ago, actually. Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce both had Kurt Warner. Carson in the Palmer, uh, number one overall pick, who came in and resurrected things uh, in Arizona. Man, Ocho Cinco's on there game. in front of Andre. That drives me insane. Yeah, I know. He was really good, but this is an image thing right here. It is. I would put Andre ahead of Chad Johnson as a Absolutely. receiver. I, I don't think anybody's going to draft Chad Johnson ahead of Andre Johnson knowing what they could no. do for their offense. I'll even say Steve Smith, Johnny. I mean, I like Steve Smith. Yeah. I'm not saying these guys are terrible. I'm just saying Andre Johnson's better. Yes. Is that too much of a hot Texans take there to say Andre Johnson over Steve Smith? I don't think so. I was always a Steve Smith fan. He's I, awesome. I think he's unabashedly honest, played with his his gut. He plays guts out every time he walked on the field. I would take Steve Smith Sr. over Heinz Ward, over Torrey Holt, over Isaac Bruce. Mm. All those guys that produce greatest show on turf. I don't want to take away from their production because they were tremendous. This and, is, but re- this is like the to- this is the top of that group yeah. in, the, in that decade. And by the way, this is Can't receivers from the 2000s for those wondering, you know, where are some of the guys who have played in the yep. teens and yep. now 
This is from the 2000s on the NFL throwback account, and we're complaining about it because we like to complain about things on Sports Talk Radio. That's just part of the plan here, right? Uh, Any other complaints here? How about these quarterbacks? Peyton Manning, Mm -hmm. Favre, Mm -hmm. Brady. And if you're wondering, Rodgers didn't start playing until 2008. Yeah, so so he doesn't really count in the 2000s. So Brady, Favre, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. Uh Uh-huh. Who really didn't start slinging it well for New Orleans till what, 06? 06. 06. Okay. I mean, he made the Pro Bowl in 04. 06, they went to the NFC Championship game. So, he had a strong second half of the decade. Yeah, I mean, he went and they won it in 09. Here's the one guy I would put on there. Now, here, here's the here's the problem Warner's with on this it, guy. by the way. Kurt Warner? Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Warner should be on there. Yeah, because he went to, I mean, obviously did what he did with the Rams. And the Super Bowl for the Cardinals was in 09? Uh, Super Bowl for the Cardinals was 08. 08, okay. 09, you, played in 09, 08 season. There's a couple guys you could argue. Okay. But statistically, it's not – statistically, you'll get, a, you'll get a fight because I don't think statistically through the 2000s that these two guys were at that particular level. But game on the line, or I've got one game to win, I don't think I had a problem handing the ball to Ben Roethlisberger the second half of the decade, mm. or – Steve McNair. Uh, I agree. McNair was an MVP during that time. Yeah. One of those years. Steve McNair was awesome. And the Super Bowl, well, that was the 99 Super Bowl. That was 99. He was really good. But they started to dip as a team in 04. Right. He ends up with Baltimore. They do pretty well with him. Didn't they win the MVP at one point, though, in that that Co-MVP with Peyton Manning in 03. 03. Okay. Yeah. So you got to give him credit for that. Yeah. And who was the other one you just said? Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger, who went to two Super Bowls during that period. Three. Oh, he went to three. He went to three. And he no, won- I take it back. I'm, I'm sorry. His third one was 2010. It was the 2010 season. So that, right, so that doesn't count? I guess it doesn't count. All right. But I don't count. You're right. But, but either way. He's a rookie in 05, yep. right? And they go to. 04. 04. 04, he's a rookie. They go 15 Wins it in 05. 1. 05, they win the Super Bowl. 08, they win it again. Wow. And okay. then 10, 10, he goes to the Super Bowl. In the second half of that. Who are you bumping out? I know. Favre, Manning, Warner, Brady, Breeze. These are quarterbacks of the 2000s. The O's. Oh. They call them the aughts, but I like to say the O's. I don't. It, that, I mean, that's, Breeze won it in 09, went to an NFC Championship game in 06. It's, it's hard to make a case for Roethlisberger and or McNair over those guys. McNair does have the MVP. Why are we saying Favre, though, in the O's? Yeah, in the O's. I don't know. Favre, to me, feels very 90s. He is very – he is 90s. That's a good point because Favre's last year with Green Bay. Now, Favre's 9 year with the Vikings was outstanding. Of course, he blew it in the championship game. Yeah. But 5, 6, and 7. He's still outstanding. He loses the NFC championship game to the Giants in 07 at home. At home. Yep, in the cold. But he makes it there. But that was his best year in like three or four years. I mean, you know what Favre is in the O's? He's kind of Aaron Rodgers in the teens. I, I mean, <laughs> well, not the teens, but since the Super Bowl right, win. Right, you know what I mean? Right. NFC Championship games, doesn't get over the hump, still so respected. But Favre had that six interception playoff game in, I want to say, 01. Yeah, it was the Rams. Against the Rams. And it's, it's just, it's awful. I mean, it's look away. I awful. think Favre in the '90s, fine. Two Super Bowl appearances, wins one, yep. great. I Favre, think, yeah. I'm, I'm going to. He would him. be the guy to go. I'm going to bump him off this list. I'm going to put Roethlisberger in there. Come on. Okay. 
three Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely the way to go. What about running backs? All right, so running backs of the O's, the aughts. LaDainian Tomlinson, these are the top five according Jeez. to NFL Throwback. LaDainian Tomlinson, Edgerin James, Marshall Falk, Sean Alexander, Adrian Peterson. Jeez, Adrian Peterson. Well, he just retired last Tuesday, by the well, way. Well, with Adrian, it's hard because it was really just it was the second half, of the, not even the second half. He was drafted yeah. in 07. So it's only four years. Now, I, those four years are, are unbelievable. But if we're going to compare four years, mm. I'm going to give you a complete wild card. Okay. Priest Holmes. You know, it's interesting that he doesn't end up on this list. I think he never got the respect because he was playing against one of the greatest offensive lines you can imagine for right. run blocking. I mean, those right. guys were Mack trucks. And, look, I can I always say this. It's hard for, it's hard for me to evaluate offensive line play, just being honest here. Are they pushing guys out of the way to make holes? Are they protecting the quarterback? Does the quarterback have some time to throw? Good job, offensive line. That's my offensive line evaluation. But when I used to watch those Chiefs with Priest Holmes, from San Antonio, by the way, Longhorn, when I used to watch those Chiefs teams play, you could see a surge. You want to talk about Bill O'Brien discussing moving the line of scrimmage? The line of scrimmage moved clearly to the layperson with the Kansas City Chiefs of that era, and they never won a playoff game with that squad. Here's a four-year run. Holy smokes. Oh, yeah, it was phenomenal. In 2001, he ran for 15, 55, mm-hmm. eight touchdowns. He caught 62 passes for 614 and two touchdowns. Jeez. The next year, he had 16, 15 rushing, 21 rushing touchdowns, 70 receptions for 672 and three touchdowns. So he had 24 touchdowns that year. The next year, 2003, he had 1,420 yards, 27 rushing touchdowns. He caught 74 passes for 690 yards. Ooh. So he had two straight years of 24 touchdowns and 27 total touchdowns. And the next year, he's on pace. Eight games, 892 rushing yards. And he had 19 receptions for 187. And he had, four, he had 14 touchdowns rushing in eight games. Priest Holmes needs to be on that list. Priest Holmes won a lot of people some fantasy championships from 01, even through 04. You only had eight games. All right, so you want to do tight ends real quick here? We've got that. Okay. All right, tight ends of the O's, according to NFL throwback. Top five, Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. No argument there. I mean, those guys are unbelievable. Jason Witten, okay, fine, 03 draft. Mm -hmm. Dallas Clark, people forget how amazing he was in that attack. And Jeremy Shockey, interesting. Yeah, the shocking one. I don't know. That feels like a stretch, but he really was good. He really was good. He kind of had a period like Priest Holmes. Not, not. I don't think you can get that that close. I don't think you can get that close to him. But I mean, Shockey. When you look at him through the, he was consistent. Seventy. This is receptions. Seventy four. 48 receptions in nine games, 61, 65, 66, 57, 50, 48, 41, 37. He started to fall off a little bit when he got to New Orleans, ironically, with Drew Brees. He fell off. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was pretty, he was pretty good. He, he, was, he was pretty good. I'm thinking in the 2000s, who else, who uh, else could you put in that Vernon list? Vernon Davis Ooh. gets some love here as far as the all-time list. I'm looking at the all-time tight ends receptions list. And he might be the highest receiving tight end that they don't mention. Yeah. Uh, I think you. Boy, Shockey has more catches in his career than Kellen Winslow Sr. That's amazing. 
That's amazing. Todd Heap. Ben Coates. That's 90s. Now, yeah, Ben Coates is 90s vibe. Boy, ben Frank Wycheck, 90s vibe. It's so funny that all those Patriots fans love Croc and, oh, Croc's the greatest tight end yeah. ever. And, and I don't know, there's not too much, too much argument there. Ben Coates was a bad you-know-what. He was a bad man, and he was a blocking tight end, too. Like, I mean, he could block, but he was so, so very good. You know, in the 2000s, mm, no, I think it was a little bit later. He was mid-2000s. Ben Watson. Now, I don't know that he ever put up receiving numbers no. like Shockey Well, did. no, he did. He did. He's, uh, he's middle of the pack on yeah. this top 25. You know who the 25th leading tight end is, all-time receptions? Is it O.D.? It is. So Daniels. all time. That's pretty strong, man. Man, that's really good. I mean, that's, that, that's really good. That is outstanding. I don't Tied think I, with Kyle Rudolph. I don't think you have too much too much issue with those those tight ends. I mean, I think that's yeah. Good. The Dallas Clark one. We go back to is he a tight end? Yeah, I mean, you have to, I guess, call him that. He the lined number up there. Is deceiving. Yeah, that's forty four. He's got to be on. There. I mean. That group of Marvin and Edrin and Reggie and Dallas Clark, I mean, Peyton made them better. They helped make Peyton look pretty good. It was a really – it was a synergistic relationship. They're really good, Johnny. They're Not really good. Not taking anything but away But Peyton that. Manning, you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived. I know the postseason, quote, failures, yeah. lack of ability to get there often enough. Mm-hmm. Not like Brady, of course. But, man, oh, man, could he light people up. All right, coming up, it's more likely to happen. I know you've been waiting for it. It happens most Tuesdays. I've got a Houston franchise expansion question. What sport? You'll have to wait to find out. We have Texans opponents on the docket. It's more likely to happen next here on Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. The Houston Texans and Schlumberger are proud to present the Houston Texans Stats Challenge, a program that makes learning math fun for sixth graders using the game of football. Over the past six years, more than 800 teachers and 230,000 students across Texas have been impacted by the Stats Challenge. Help your local sixth grade class be the next to join them. Visit HoustonTexans.com for more details and go Texans! Texans Radio, The Drive continues. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris, keeping you company on your ride home or wherever you are headed right now. Go to the Texans app for all the information on your Texans articles, ticket information, training camp information. It's all there on HoustonTexans.com and the Texans app. I like to give it a plug because we are live on there right now, as a matter of fact, in past programs, all of it. Let's do more likely to happen. You ready? Let's go. Let's go indeed. More likely to happen. More likely to have a better season, Johnny. The Jacksonville Jaguars or the New York Jets? Give it to me. You got Zach Wilson and whatever he's doing in his spare time. And you have the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Trevor Lawrence. I happen to watch an interesting video the Jets put out. We do ours, you know, building the Texans, and we put out the draft coverage, and we do a great job with that. The Jets put one out, but it was just about seven and a half, eight minutes long just on their first round, just on Sauce. Yeah. Now, they had two other first-round picks. They had wow. uh, Jermaine Johnson, and they had one other. I'm trying to remember the name. Um, oh, Garrett Wilson, uh, wide receiver. That was a, that was a good draft for that. Um, 
I there's a vibe with the Jets with Joe Douglas's GM. Salah's got a lot of energy. I'm buying the Jets. Okay, over I'm the Jets. The Jets. Better season for the Jets than the Jacksonville Jaguars. What about the divisions here? You got the Bills. Get the Patriots, who are not going to be an easy out. I don't care no. what anybody predicts about their demise. And the Dolphins, hey, the it's Dolphins are going to hang around and win eight or nine games. They should. If they don't, it's a total disaster for them. Yeah, it's a tough division, but their crossover is AFC North, which I've said is is very difficult. I, it's maybe not absolutely on par with the AFC West, but still pretty darn good. I, and, and look, the Jags have got to face the AFC West. So they've got to face the same schedule that we've got to face for the most part. I just believe in what Salah's doing around everything that's gone on around mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. Okay. So if Zach ends up finding the secret sauce this year, which that maybe with everything's going on with him is the wrong way of saying it, but he's got weapons to throw to now. He's got an offensive line that, if healthy, can can protect him. I think the running game has to get a little bit better. But I think defensively, I don't want to say it's a bunch of no names and sauce, but. It kind of is a bunch of no-names and sauce, but we saw that front last year. John Franklin Myers, Quinnen Williams, now with sauce in the back end, C.J. Mosley still there at linebacker. He's still there at linebacker, I believe. Anyways, they've got, they've got some work to do, but I just I would trust the Jets getting there before the Jags, just a hair in front of the Jags. Okay, sidebar question. Don't want to belabor the point here, but Mike McDaniel, I mentioned if the Dolphins don't win eight or nine, that's a disaster for them, correct? All if right. they win seven or less, that's not cutting it. Yeah. After the acquisitions, yes. and hello, and we removed the head coach after reasonable success. Yep. I, mean, I hate to use that word, but I don't hate to use that word. I mean, look, you know, he got the season going after a 1-7 and seven start. Anyway, Mike McDaniel takes over there. Is it better to take over a team like that or to be Rob Sala taking over a New York Jets? Or Lovey Smith here, as a matter of fact. The expectations for the Dolphins are higher. It's so funny if- you say that because I always – I remember when I – using my example, just the way I thought. Way back in the day, I, I coached Episcopal High School. I had a bunch of really smart kids and, and really good players. Mm-hmm. But because of our academic requirements, we just were not going to have an opportunity. It was kind of like you know a lot of college locations, you know, Northwestern, Stanford. We just were not going to have kids that were going to come to our, our location that could have handled it academically, but admissions was not going to allow them in. And so I always felt like, man – what could I do if I had talent at this high school or if I had the talent at this high school? Man, I this would be it would be awesome. But I love being at Episcopal because we always kind of had that underdog mentality, like, you guys can't do it. And I love that. So I would love to take over a team like the Jets and prove to everybody, yeah, you can do it. Because the expectations do get astronomically high when you bring in Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And what if you not you, but what if Mike McDaniel Quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer, can't get it out of Tua Tungavailoa. Bill O'Brien faced that here. Bill had other issues, but when Bill got here, it wasn't what he said. It was what everybody else said about, oh, he's a quarterback guru. He'll make yeah. it work. He's a quarterback guru. He's an offensive guru. And it built up this expectation that offensively we were going to be outstanding because Bill was the quarterback whisperer. That's tough, and it's going to be tough for Mike McDaniel because we don't, we don't know what Tua really is. Yeah, I agree. Having that talent is enticing, but I always like being the underdog where the expectations were low and showing everybody that we could do it no matter what. And then you get to that level in the NFL, obviously, with the draft, the free agency, everything's a little bit more level than it is the high school level. I would love the opportunity to coach the Jets and try and make them a winner and take that challenge head on. I just feel like if you win less than ten in Miami, you better have a good excuse, right? 
and it's going to be interesting, the fan base what's the reaction. Ex- what's the excuse got to be? That injuries, whatever. I guess. Uh, and if Tua doesn't work out, you could say, well, look. Not that Mike McDaniel That was somebody else's decision. Loud. Yeah, you could say that, I guess. All right, next, more likely to happen. Sorry about that sidebar, but I had to get there. More likely to happen. Making his first start first. So more likely to start first. Okay. Malik Willis or anybody in Washington not named Carson Wentz. Sam Howell, Taylor Heineke. There might be somebody else there as well. Give it to me. I really want to say Malik Willis. Okay. I really want to say really? Malik Willis. Really? Oh, I really want to I, – I, I, there's a part of me that wants to see him and a part of me that absolutely no doubt does not want to see him on that field that day. Because as a rookie, I mean, think about rookies that have a little bit of talent and that can move like he – I mean, if you yeah. haven't seen Malik Willis play, yeah. he's magnificent. They can manufacture a win somehow. Yes, yeah. yes, and they can run for a first down. You can have everything. Right. Did, now, we've obviously seen Ryan Tannehill shake off a sack and throw on a big third down against us too. Mm-hmm. So we've seen that. But – I just think Washington's headed for disaster with Carson Wentz. Okay. I just feel like it's going so that So you direction. think Willis starts first, though? No. I think oh. Washington. That's oh, what I'm saying. Say I want to say Willis, but yeah. I, I'm not. I think Wentz. Is I, it a benching or is it an injury that brings Howell or Heineke into the lineup? Yes. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. All right. Next one. More likely to happen. More likely to make the first start here. I'm doing it again, except with different teams. Desmond Ritter. Or Kenny Pickett, who's going to start first, Ritter in Atlanta or Pickett in Pittsburgh? Well, those are really close. See, I almost feel like those are closer than the other two. Mariota's ahead of Ritter for those playing at home, and Pickett obviously has our good friend from the 2017 draft. This is why I think it's so close, is because Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky. I feel like the book on Trubisky. And I know our buddy Andre Ware is listening to Johnny. You know how to answer this question. <laughs> he loves Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think Trubisky is going to get a little bit more of a shot. I feel like the book is not completely written on Trubisky. Now, the first few chapters have been up and down and all over the place. I feel like the book has been done on the shelf and gathering dust on Marcus Mariota. I feel like Ritter we will see first. Okay, you're going to see Ritter first. You yes. ready for one more? The okay, final one. Okay. More likely to happen. More likely to get an expansion franchise in their city. NHL in Houston, NFL in St. Louis. Go. NHL in Houston. Really? Yeah. If see, I'm the NFL, okay, not, not that I want to take anything away from this, not really about St. Louis, but if I'm expanding in the NFL, I want to – I want to go to a market where I haven't been. I don't let know, me, redo the, let me redo the question. Strike the question for the record, okay. Your Honor. Okay. Getting a team of any kind. Getting a team of any kind. St. Louis getting a team of any kind or just uh, – No, no, no. NFL, NFL team, team of any kind or NHL team of any okay. kind coming to Houston. Which is my question back to you. Where – let's say it's the NFL. Where – Who's leaving? Yeah, well, who's leaving, but where would you put one? St. Louis. I already have a deal that didn't get done, but could have been done for a stadium. But Kroenke obviously had other designs on L.A., and it's working out wonderfully for him. And he built the facility. Give him credit for that. Yeah. And I still felt like the Chargers, when you flirt with St. Louis, I get my stadium. I got the St. Louis Chargers thing going on. I know they supported the I team. We just didn't have a good facility. That dome was horrible. No? Okay. 
What about NHL in Houston? Closer to home. We have much more of an educated opinion here. See, I think the NHL, people tell me NHL could work in Houston, Mark. Listen, they couldn't even keep the arrows here, all right? And I know it's a different deal. People like their sports big time here. Major League Edition, please. I have a hard time seeing an NHL team working here long-term if they're not winning. If they're winning, that's, fine. Now, that's true. But that's if they're sub-500, yikes, the it's going to be a tough wears, sell. The novelty will wear off very, very soon. Look, I've seen great Rocket teams, not good Rocket teams, really good Rocket teams have dollar hot dog night in the right. playoffs. Yes. Don't tell me an NHL team is an automatic to work out here. Yeah, I, I, agree, with you on, I agree with you on that point. I just feel like St. Louis is an option, but you'd like to have options. Mm-hmm. I think about Portland, but I don't know that the, the Seahawks would like that, to have a team up in Portland. So you start, man, start whittling it down and going, man, where could where could we go? Where would the NFL San go? San Antonio's a pretty big market. And it's got Austin gotta... semi-attached to it, but Jerry wouldn't like that. And I know Cal Jerry probably Cal wouldn't like he that. He would not be too crazy about it, probably. I'm, I'm not going on the record for him or anything, and I haven't heard from him directly on that. I'm just hypothesizing. I mean, St. Louis makes a lot of sense because it – You've been there with the Cardinals. You've been there with the Rams, which begs the question. You've been there with the Cardinals, and you've been there with the Rams. Stadium. Right. So do you get the stadium? Because the stadium that I saw, the renderings that I saw, yeah. were gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, the stadium they were going to build for the Rams. That they were going to build for the Rams. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You get that. Wow. I mean, and there's a, there's a lot you can do with that potential. You have a stadium and a facility like that. You get concerts. You get all kinds of things. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with NFL in St. Louis. You know what I like about the Rams winning the Super Bowl? I hate them. It's really solidified my sports hate for the Rams right. because I didn't like them much in St. Louis. I respected yeah. them, of course, and I like Vermeil. And the Kurt Warner story is great, but come on. And then you leave a city where you won a championship, right. went to another Super Bowl, and then you have the nerve to go back to LA and actually win. Right. I hate you, Rams. Here's the other thing too: with if you add a team. Now you're at 33, and it throws off the whole algorithm. Oh, no, no. You you can't do that. you got to go two. You'd have to go two. London, baby. And yeah. Shad's going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm leaving North Florida, which is always a possibility it in is. my mind. It anyway. is. And the Jacksonville people know it, too. Yeah. They, know, they know it, too. And I, and I hate that for them. You're already giving up a home game a year. And it was two. It was two. It was going to be two in the COVID season of 2020. If you went to if Shad went to St. Louis right now, hey, what do you got for me? They would say, "We got a stadium for you. Come on over." He'd have the to St. Louis Jaguars, it. and you know what? Having to travel to St. Louis every year wouldn't be the worst thing in the world in the division. I'm just saying, but I like going to Jacksonville. I love going to Jacksonville, and I love it because we get to go see Episcopal High School where yes, you used to coach. That's very All right, true. coming up next, we mentioned there's another event in the building tomorrow night. That would be the Copa de Lone Star with Manchester City and Club America. This building does host other events other than the rodeo and the Houston Texans. And one of them is the Texas Bowl, the Tax Act Texas Bowl, which features the SEC and Big 12 semi-traditionally, at least lately. Not always has been the case. But what is going on with those leagues? There is some news that we need to share with you and we'll dissect, decipher, and solve next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. 
Ashley is proud to call Houston home. We believe your personal style makes your house a home. Discover incredible styles, selection, and quality at a price to fit any budget. Ashley has just the looks and options you need. Explore totally different styles and trends all in one place. Finding the perfect furniture and home decor makes it easy for you to create a home you love to live in. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley, proud partner of the Houston Texans. We return to Texans All Access. All right, wrapping it up here on Tuesday night. Great to have you listening. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. SEC Media Days in full swing. SEC, a 16-team league. One of the leagues that participates in the Tax Act Texas Bowl annually. Big 12, the other. Look, we'll see where this is all going soon enough. But Big 12 with the breakup, with Texas and OU going to the SEC, Johnny. Talks are off reportedly between the Big 12 and... And the Pac-12, first of all, solve that little ditty for me. Big 12, Pac-12, should they get back together? Should they figure something out? Should the Big 12 try to do something else? Should different things happen? If you're going to split up, now it becomes between the new Pac-12, I'm sorry, the new Big 12 commissioner and George Klyakov, the Pac-12 commissioner, you better go solidify whatever you have left in the Pac-12. And if you're the Big 12, you go back to those four teams. You went and you saw Arizona State, Arizona, Utah, and Colorado, I believe. Right. That's not going to set the world on fire, but it's going to allow you to keep the Big 12 going. That's what you got to do. Now, if the Big 12 and Pac-12 were smart, and maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but I think unification of that part of the country, yes, you don't have USC, and yes, you don't have UCLA, but if you have Oregon and Washington to the far outpost, Mm -hmm. and then you can come into Texas – um, with what you have remaining in the Big 12, TCU, Baylor, et cetera, and you dominate the, the, the coast, if you will, outside of not having UCA, USC, UCLA, that's the best way to go about it. But to merge two major conferences like that, Klyakov just got hired as the Pac-12 commissioner, I think, like a year and a half ago, a year ago. Big 12 just named a commissioner. I don't know how you, you put that together and make These it guys, work. Yeah. One's got to take over the other. Right. Essentially, at this point, if you can't come together, then it's a game of risk and we're going to go take over your your guys and that's it. So it's either going to be the big 16 or it's going to be the pack 16. One's going to have to go away. If you can't learn how to merge or come together on a merge, then I think that's the only way you really can go for them. So are we going to form some gigantic monstrosity here? Is this is the whole country going to be the SEC eventually? <laughs> is it going to be an SEC with like sixty four teams in it, and that's it? Yeah, I think that's where we're going. I think I think that's where we're headed. And once they get there in the football realm, then maybe they could put together some universal recruiting rules, guidelines, uh, playing rules, NIL rules, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and it applies to these sixty teams. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to do an 18 playoff amongst these 60 teams in these four conferences, ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12 mashup, and the Big 10. Those four, those will be the ones, and away we go. Have we talked to Nick about how NIL might affect incoming NFL players? I think I, we did ask him a question about that So once. I think this is a – it's not really a problem for the NFL, honestly. But I do think it's a real it's a real situation. It's I think a topic. It, it could be a good thing for the colleges. And I, I go back to I, I got a call from a buddy of mine the COVID year because the NCAA w- was granting an extra year for players that played in NCAA's in, in NCAA football. 
they were giving him another year, and my buddy called me and says, hey, y'all know you're you're going to have a hard time. And I was like, I didn't really know what he was referring to. And he said, you got these college coaches that live in the recruiting world, and they're recruiting their guys back. Well, that's going to happen, and then some, because a coach is going to look at a player. A guy's played three years. He's done great, but eh, he's a little bit smaller, maybe a little bit slower. He's a third-round, fourth-rounder. And those coaches are going to be able to say, look, as a third, fourth rounder for the next three years, you're going to make X. But your ideal is allowing you to make Y. Mm-hmm. It might be less than X, but you get to stay as BMOC. You get to have another year under your belt. You get to work towards your degree. And you're going to get money equivalent to what you can get in the NFL. You're going to get a handful of players or more that decide, you know what? I'm going to stay that those third, fourth rounders that are bordering on, should I go, should I not? They're not going to have financial issues. Like, a lot of players in college and families have financial issues. They have to go to the NFL. Yeah, yeah. They have to go. Well, then all of a sudden, they've got an NIL deal of, I don't know, 750 a year. Hang out one more year. Hang out one more year. Do the college thing one more year. Interesting. You're, you're, you're satisfying your family's financial needs doing that. Get your degree and then go to the NFL at that point. Now, there are going to be some that are like, look, I'm a first-round pick, and there's no NIL money that's going to be equivalent to that. Right. So, yeah, you're, you're going to go. Or you want to get your clock started in the NFL. I understand that. But there are going to be some players. And I think back to Johnny Manziel at A&M. But Johnny was making NIL money. It was yeah. probably going to be better than make what he made at number 22 overall in the draft. Oh, yeah. He just stayed another year. He's stay. a king. You could stay. Absolutely. Stay. All right. Thanks a lot, Johnny. Got it, Mark. All right. Tomorrow we will talk more about the upcoming training camp practices starting one week from Friday. You know we have plenty of stuff, as always, on that Get you ready for Copa de Lone Star as well. Why not? A little soccer, a little soccer hors d'oeuvre to the football season. Of course, more than a little. It's at NRG Stadium. It's huge. Hey, thanks a lot, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Austin, for producing. Have a great evening. Go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. Care for